0: Father, uh, we do thank you once again for the opportunity to gather together. Lord, what a joy it is to come together as the body of Christ. And God, just open up our hearts to you. We thank you that we can open up our hearts and, and... in song and Lord, thank you for thank you for people who write those lyrics, people who put those those and have that musical talent to put it together. And thank you for the gifted musicians and singers you've given us here in this fellowship, that we can just lift up our hearts and 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 love you, and we can just can get in that mood and continue in the time in your word. That God, your word would come alive to us as we look, especially tonight, as we can kind of just look at some some people who are just loving you and serving you and, and involved in what you've called them to be involved in. And I pray that it would, it would light a fire in all of us. It would encourage us, God, to be active about our faith, active about walking with you and serving you. So I pray you would bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Philippians always kind of intrigues me because Paul, you got to keep in mind, is writing this from prison. He's in prison, Nero is in charge. It's a terrible time. Worldwide, horrible time to be alive. You know, when we think we go through things and and you think of what the church went through during Nero's persecution, horrible. And so he's involved in all of that. So he's sitting in jail because he's appealed to Caesar having a difficult time, and yet he's writing these letters to the different places we looked at earlier. We looked at Ephesians, now we're in Philippians, and then Colossians, and then Philemon. And he's writing letters to encourage believers, and you would think it would be flipped, right? That they should be writing him and encouraging him. But he's encouraging them, and then he lays out, man, you know, the first chapter laying out who we are in Christ and the fact that he doesn't care whether people are against him, trying to get him in trouble by preaching christ or whether they're doing it sincerely he goes all i care about is christ is preached and then he kind of listens then he's kind of pushing us to serve and the first example he gives us is jesus that's kind of hard right i mean you know you read that whole thing about jesus and and most of us go but that was jesus and i'm not jesus right i mean don't any of you make that excuse you kind of look at that and go, wow, well, that's kind of, I, I understand what you're saying, but that's kind of like setting a, a high bar. And so tonight he's going to shift a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about him. We talked ended last week with looking at him. We'll talk a little bit about Paul, but even Paul's sometimes kind of hard. And then we're going to look at two different guys, two totally different uh, personalities with Timothy and Epaphroditus and and what they did and how they served. But man, listen, it's encouraging. So bottom line, we're going to look at Paul and his heart, how he served. We're going to look at Timothy and who he was, totally different, way different from Paul. And we're going to look at Epaphroditus. And here's what I love. I'll give you a little bit of a hint of what we're going to do with Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was behind the scenes servant. Most of us have never heard that term because some of us have never read Philippians. This is the only place where this guy's brought up. And you don't know anything about him other than what little bit Paul gives us here. But here's what I know. Paul looks at him and he's just as important as the Apostle Paul or Timothy in serving the Lord. Although he's not an upfront you know, guy that everybody knows and uh, you know, the Philippians knew him. But he's just a servant. He's just a guy. I don't care. I don't care if my names are in the lights. I don't care if I'm. I don't care if everybody knows me. Why? Because he wants to serve the Lord. So, what one thing did these three guys all have in common? Jesus. They were all sold out to the Lord. They had all listen. They had all relinquished their lives to the Lord and got to the place where they're saying, "I don't care anymore. All I care about." is for Jesus Christ to be exalted. So I said, verse 19, back up a little bit. Let's read 17 and 18. We looked at those last time, but let's kind of go over them again because this is a part about Paul. Paul says, yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. So here Paul is just talking about sacrificial service. The fact that he doesn't care he doesn't care what's going on in his life. And I believe, listen, I believe as Paul's writing this letter, I believe he thinks life's done for him. It's over. And now he's talking about being poured out as that drink offering, that final thing. That And, and here's what's interesting, and we talked about it, and I'm not going to go into detail. We talked about it last time. The drink offering just ended up being steam. In other words, it just wasn't like everybody knew about the drink offering. It was just and it's gone. I kind of think Paul's saying, that's our life. Our life is, and it's gone. So listen, man, he's willing to do that, and he wants to sacrifice himself for them. And then he says, listen, for the this, for this same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. So Paul's saying, Paul's kind of that bold guy. Don't you get the idea that he was pretty bold? It's interesting you read different things about him, and people try and describe him, and here's what cracks me up. People describe him, I'm going, how do you know that? We don't know what Paul was like. We don't, have, we don't have any photographs of him. We don't have any drawings of him. And people go, well, he was a short, bull-legged guy, had a big nose, and, and, and I'm thinking, what Brad gets get to heaven, he'll be some big monster guy or something. I don't know. But here's what I do know. No matter what his stature was, he was a bold guy. Paul was like, man, and listen, man, he was a guy, he walked into any situation and he just took command. That's who he was. As a person, that's who he was in the Lord, and he did that. So you've got that personality of the guy that's big, right? No matter what his physical size, he's got that big personality, and he's doing those things. So Paul says that, and now he's going to introduce us in to somebody that's like the complete opposite. He says in verse 19, but I trust in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly. So I wanna wanna look at a couple things before we really dig in here. First of all, I did a little bit of research and I was gonna put up different places where Timothy's mentioned. And you know what I realized? Timothy's mentioned or alluded to in almost every one of Paul's writings, except Titus. Check it out, man. Do your homework and look at that. What does that tell you? Timothy was very involved in Paul's life and Paul's ministry. I was sort of blown away. Now, he starts his journey in Acts chapter 14. Remember when Paul went and and, and went to Macedonia and started that whole thing and I'm sorry, and he was in Lystra and started that whole ministry and then when he writes to Timothy, he talks about his mom and his grandma influencing him and etc. So you have that and then all through Acts, Timothy's kind of in and out. Check it out. Paul sends him places, Paul meets in places, they do different things. So you have this character who's in my mind big in ministry but not so much in personality. What did Paul have to write to him? He says, Timothy, quit being afraid. That's my translation, right? That's the paraphrase. Quit being afraid. Go for it, Timothy. And he tells him, hey, don't let people look down on your youth. Go for it. Serve. So, so we kind of have, listen, we kind of have this guy that Paul kind of had to uh, and push along. And then the other thing I noticed, so that's kind of introducing Timothy. But the other thing I notice is Paul says, listen, I trust in the Lord to send Timothy to you. I find that interesting Paul doesn't worry about what Nero's gonna say. He's not so worried about what the government or other people, here's what he's saying. I'm trusting God. Earlier he wrote that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Paul's already done that. Are you with me? Paul hasn't just done it verbally. Paul has done it with his heart. And he's only gonna do what the Lord wants him to do. And he says, listen, I'm trusting the Lord to send this guy to you. I want to send him to you, but it's got to be according to the Lord's will. It's got to be what he wants. So I kind of like that whole idea, right? So now let's kind of look at Paul's vision of Timothy. He says, listen, I want to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. Is that kind of weird? Here's what Paul's saying. I'm worried about you guys. Really? He's in jail, he's in prison, and he's worried about them. And he says, man, I wanna send Timothy to you because I, I wanna make sure you're doing okay. And again, you can read the introduction to the letter. He wants to make sure they're walking with the Lord, they're, they're doing all right. So who's he sending? His right-hand guy. And this is what I find fascinating, and I think we should do this more as churches. Paul's sending his best. He's sending the guy who's, who's closest to him, we're gonna read. He's sending that guy he counts on. He's sending that guy that's always there, always, always on, you know, on, on cue to do whatever Paul needs. Timothy wasn't worried about being under Paul or, or letting Paul get the glory. Timothy didn't care. Timothy just wanted to serve. And Paul says, man, I'm gonna send, well, here, read, read ahead, look. Look, he says, he says, verse 20, for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Listen, he says, there's nobody else that has the same heart, the same mind I do for the church in Philippi and for the church at large. That like-minded could be like-souled. Listen, man, these guys were knit together. They were close. And you know, there's nothing greater than finding somebody that you can be close with to do ministry with and especially somebody that you can be close with and you can trust, and you can be yourself too. They know you, you know them, and you're walking together. And here's the thing, man, you're not competing. You're serving, you're locking arms to serve the Lord, to go forward. I love that idea. So here's what he says, man. I don't have anybody else like him. Now, if I'm in jail and I'm suffering and life is hard for me, I'm gonna send you guys somebody that I don't even care about. I'm going to keep that person who's really close to me, close to me, because I'm selfish. Paul said, Let this mind be in you, right? And then he describes Jesus. That's the mind that Paul had. Listen, it wasn't just words to him, it wasn't just, Hey, I'm going to write this great letter and these people are going to be odd. It was like, This is how I live. So he says, there's nobody, there's nobody like Timothy. Oh, and then check this out. He says, he says, for I have no one like-minded, in verse 20, who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Where's Paul? Rome. Have you ever read the letter to the Romans. You ever read the last of it? The people he lists there? Huh. He's got a pretty big list. I always like that. I, I always look at the end of Romans as like Paul's little uh, you know, on, on his phone, his his contacts app kind of fell open and people saw, hey, these are the people Paul hanging out with. And there's quite a list there. And what did he just say here? Where's he at? He's in Rome. He lists all those people in the book of Romans, and then here he says, hey, there's nobody here. There's nobody else I can send because they're all selfish and self-centered. Wow. There had to be a couple hundred believers in Rome. Wouldn't you think? Some of you are looking at me like, I don't think so. I think there were. Come on. And he says, people are selfish. People don't want to go hmm, think about our lives and think about maybe what the Lord is encouraging you in your heart. I don't know everybody's heart in here. I don't know what's going on in your life. But are you resisting? Are you you somebody who Paul would put you into that verse? He would put you here into verse 22. I'm sorry, into verse 21 and say, but they all seek their own things, not the things of the Lord. I think we should question ourselves on that. I think that would be a good self-examination. Am I more concerned about the things of God than I am the things of myself and the things that are gonna better me? I believe, listen, I believe Paul was 100% sold out. And I believe that's where God would want us to be, not, listen, not just saying things, not just, you know, kind of doing church kind of singing a couple songs before we listen to a Bible study and we go on I believe he desires for us to find that space find out who we are and serve the Lord and not be people who are self-centered that's hard in this culture you know when we talk about things and ministering to people in, in different cultures our culture is pretty self-centered our culture is pretty about us right? And listen, we gotta get to that place where we're willing to say, hey, I'm more about Jesus than I am about me. I would give up everything if God asked me to. I'll just walk away from it. And once you do that, you're gonna find the joy that he wrote about uh, there in verse verse, uh, 18. You're gonna have that joy of the Lord. So listen, here's what he's saying. There's no one else here, so here's what he says. I'm sending you the absolute best I have and I could be sending you people who don't really care about you, but I'm sending you Timothy, right? Then verse 22, but you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. How did they know that? How did they know about Timothy? Because Timothy was with Paul when Paul was there. And he goes, you guys know his character. You know about him. You know what's going on. And I love this idea, man. Paul and Timothy had this father-son relationship. Now, if you've looked at Timothy and know a little bit about him, his mother and grandmother were Jewish. His father, his biological father, was a Gentile, was a Greek. And it's always interesting to me how Paul relates to him as, this is my son, my son in the faith. And I believe Paul led him to the Lord, but I believe there was that deeper bonding between them. And wouldn't it be hard if you're in prison, ready to probably get your head cut off, to send that one person who's like a son to you, who's so close, who's so like-minded to you, wouldn't it be hard to say, hey, go check on the Philippians? That shows that Paul has that mind of Christ, right? Right? Paul's got that whole thing going on and now listen, he says, and you guys know Timothy has that because you know his character. Shouldn't all of us, shouldn't our goal be that somebody could write to somebody else and say, hey, you know their character. You know how they're living. You know what's going on in their life. And he says, so you guys, listen, you guys know his character and how he served with me. Now, I kind of calculated, Paul and Timothy have been together 10, maybe 12 years by now. That's kind of a long-term relationship when you think about serving with somebody in the Lord. And, you know, it's a blessing. I, I think in this ministry, I've served with Pastor Jack for over 20 years. We've been together side by side as brothers in the Lord and serving together and locking arms. And, you know, the greatest thing about that is there's never been any strife between us, never been any, hey, I don't like what you're doing. I don't like you know. Well, Jack tells me that all the time, but <laughs> but there's not that fighting and that I want your position. Listen, Timothy wasn't interested in Paul's position. Paul surely wasn't interested in Timothy. So, well, maybe a little bit right now, maybe to be good if he got sent and Timothy stayed. But here he's off. Listen, man, and uh, ten to twelve years they've been together, and he's sending him off and telling him, man, listen, he's like a son to me. Now, Pastor Jack's not like a son to me. I just thought I'd clarify that. He's more like a dad to me. He's the father, I'm the son. Therefore, had to get that out. Verse 23, he'll do announcements this weekend. Verse 23, therefore, listen, he says, therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. Here's what Paul's said I'm waiting to see how it goes with me. If they don't chop my head off, I'll send him right away. If they're going to chop my head off, I may not send him. So I'm waiting to see how it goes with me. But man, I want to send him. I want to get him there. And then I love this part. Listen, here's a little bit of emotion. But I trust in the Lord. Here's what he says, right? Because what did he say? I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you. Now he's saying, but I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Man, listen, Paul's wanting out of there. Paul's not all about, we can say what we want about him being in prison, but it wasn't like he was determined, I'm gonna stay here, I'll tough it out, I'll be the tough guy, I'll be the martyr for Christ. He's going, I want out of here right? I want to come and see you guys. I want to be there. So listen, man, we have that going on. Now, that's Timothy. And think about, think about Paul sitting in wherever he was, you know, whether he was in a cell or a dungeon or a house or however, and he just like pinned all that stuff out. And think about, think about in that room. I I always like to imagine in that room and, and you know, he probably had said, hey, Timothy, I'm gonna write about sending you there because I really want you to go. And Timothy's going, that's great, man. I'll do whatever you want. Whatever you want, Paul. If you want me to go there, I'll go there. How about tonight, before you leave, how about you tell the Lord, wherever you want, Lord, wherever you want, I'll go. Some of us are afraid to say that. It always cracks me up because people say, what if he sends me to some place I hate? And I always tell them, that's the kind of God we serve, right? He's just waiting for us to say something, and then he's going to make you as miserable as possible because that's the God of the Bible. Come on. You open yourself up to God, you'll be amazed at what he gives you and the opportunities he gives you and what he does. And it might even be the place you might least think about, but he'll make you love that place. So Paul's saying, man, you know, I want to go with you. I want to be there. And then he's writing and Timothy's going, okay, whatever you want, Paul, man. I'll do whatever you want because I'm here to serve you. And then he says this, yet I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Oh, hey, if the, if, you know, if the Lord wills, I trust in the Lord that I can send Timothy to you because I don't have anybody else like him, yet, hey, yet, This guy's over here. I always forget about him because he's behind the scenes. He's not sticking out. He's somebody who's just serving. You know, he's a a guy that's just always busy about doing stuff. And, oh, yeah, he goes, listen, yeah, hey, I want to send to you. I I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Do you kind of get what's going on? I want to send Timothy, but it's necessary that I send Epaphroditus. Now, read ahead, not while I'm teaching, and check out because you're gonna find out both these guys went. But Epaphroditus, who is that guy? What a weird name. His name, it's funny because his name can kinda mean, it comes from the Greek goddess Aphrodite, who's the goddess of love, I think most of us would, would get that, kinda comes from that, and it can mean loving, it can mean kind, it can also mean gambler, we're gonna find out about that in a little bit. But man, listen, man. He, says, he says, I'm gonna send you, so here's one thing I know, this guy's Greek through and through. This guy's not Jewish mom, Gentile, Greek dad, he's Greek, and Paul says, man, here's the thing, it's necessary. Do you hear that? It's necessary that I send him. Why is it so necessary? Why is it so necessary that he sends him? But first, let's get a look at his character because we don't know anything about this guy. So listen to what Paul says. Yet yeah, I find it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and felder, fel, fellow shol- uh, pff, sorry, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. What? Three things that Paul looks at him. Listen, this is a nobody, right? For all intents and purposes. Most of you, as I've said, if you haven't read Philippians, you don't even know about this guy. And what does Paul say? What's the first thing he calls him? My brother. Listen, Paul doesn't say, my servant. This is my brother. Epaphroditus is that brother to Paul. They have that common heritage in Christ. Not that they're brothers. Listen, man, Paul was Jew through and through. Not that they're they're really, my brother. First of all, he, he has that relational aspect with him and he loves him like he loves a brother. Then, listen, then he says, and I love this, man. He says, my brother and fellow worker, Somebody who's alongside me, not somebody who's above me, not somebody who's below me, but he's right beside me. Epaphroditus and I are on the same page. We're doing the same thing. We're working together for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would to God as a church, we would embrace that and get that deep in our hearts and not worry about what some brother or sister is doing who's in our church or some brother and sister who goes to another church. Why do we get all freaked out? Aren't we all on the same page yeah. Thank you. Let's just go forward and listen, man. And he's going, hey, he's my fellow worker. I love that. I love thinking about that. And then, and then, lastly, who is he? He's my fellow soldier. You know what that tells me? That first of all, they have this relational aspect, but then it tells me they got a job to do, and they're going to do their job no matter what. Paul's not going to let anything get in his way, and Here's what he's telling me, neither is Epaphroditus, and they're in a war. Think about that. Think about how Paul's saying, as he lays these things out, why would he say this about this guy, unless this is how he's looking at life. I would love, I would love for myself to get the lens of life that Paul looks through. He looks through it entirely different than most of us. He's got that whole lens of Jesus and everything about Jesus, and he's filtering everything that comes to him through that lens. And would to God that we would do that. Oh, and then, and then, listen, he lists those three things, but then he says, listen, but your messenger. He was their messenger to Paul. Read the book of Acts. That church in Philippi took up a collection for Paul, and he's there, and that word messenger is that word apostle that's kind of interesting right in the greek it's that word apostle and i kind of like that idea the apostle paul says hey this is your apostle to me right your messenger to me i i love that whole thought he's the one who comes to me and he says and what and the one who served who ministered to my need Woo! you guys like epaphroditus now man it's gonna be good to meet him in heaven huh and here he is, and, and, then, and then, listen, he wasn't done. He says, listen, man, he's the one who ministered to my need, verse 26, since he was longing for you all. Now, you might read that and think, oh, he's sending him because he's homesick, because he's longing for them. Some of you are reading on. Stop. He's longing, why is he longing for the church at Philippi? Why is he longing for those people? Why is Epaphroditus Epif- Epif- worrying about those people? Because he loves them. Because he's part of them. Hey, there's nothing wrong, listen, there's nothing wrong of missing your home. The people you're close to. I think of, you know, you, you someone gets sent out from here to... Go plant a church, go do a missionary thing. It's okay to miss home. It's all right. Can't let that interfere, but it's all right. He's an emotional guy. I kind of like him. He's, he's a little bit like, man, I'm longing for those people. Maybe, maybe him and Paul at breakfast that morning, maybe Epaphroditus said, man, Paul, I'm just like missing, I'm missing the saints at Philippi. It's tough. I don't like being away from them. I don't like not knowing what they're, remember, they didn't have all the stuff we have today to keep in contact. I'm missing him. I want to know what's happening. So listen, he says, He says, listen, he's the one who ministered to my need since he was longing for you all. Why does he put that? Because I found it necessary to send him to you because he was longing for you all. You know, it's funny. Some people might say, well, he's sending the homesick boy back because he failed. Oh, why was he longing for them? Listen, and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Epaphroditus is bummed for the church at Philippi because they heard he was sick and they're freaking out because he's sick. Once again, no instant communication, right? So somehow, somebody came from Philippi and they let them know that the church is worried about you, Epaphroditus, because you're sick. Now stop and think, first of all, Epaphroditus was part of that church. He was given a bag full of money, and where was he taking it? To Rome. Philippi's in Greece, taking it to Rome. Is there any problem with going to Rome? Who's in prison in Rome? Paul. He wasn't going to visit somebody staying at the, you know, at the Hyatt. That's kind of taking a, isn't that kind of huge going to Rome? Number one, just going to Rome as a Christian, outing yourself as a Christian, and then going to see somebody in prison and then have a bag full of money on top of that, right? So, man, you got to think about this guy. And then he left and he gets there and now he gets word that they're freaked out because he got sick. Well, it sounds like there was that whole danger of getting sick and it sounds like he got sick sick. You know, they're sick, I don't feel good, and then they're sick, I'm gonna die. Well, look at the sick he had. Look at the next verse. It says, for indeed he was sick almost unto death. Oh, see he didn't just have a cold. He didn't just have, he was about to die. Now here's what sorta I find a little bit fascinating. Don't know what he had. Don't know how long he had it. Don't know whether he was laid up, what was going on. All I know is Paul says, the dude was gonna die. Right? That's intense. And then, listen to what he says. He says, but God had mercy on him. I wish more faith healers would read this verse. Paul didn't say, He was sick unto death until I laid hands on him and raised him up from his sick bed. Paul didn't say, I spoke to that sickness out of him. What does Paul say? He almost died until God had mercy on him. We need to keep that in mind because I found in my years of pastoral ministry that God doesn't heal every time. And that's painful. It's painful. Whenever... People ask us to pray for them, whenever anybody asks me to pray for them. I always pray expecting they're gonna get well. I always pray knowing, yeah, they're gonna get well. This is gonna happen. I, I've shared with you guys before being in India with a lady who was, had tuberculosis and she was in bad, 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 bad shape. She was just a skeleton on a cot. And I remember I was with Danny Turner. We went to pray for her. And I gotta tell you guys, I was positive that woman was going to rise up out of that cot and she was going to be whole and healed. You know, when all the faith people say you don't have enough faith. I was, po- I was so sure. I was like, when I opened my eyes and she didn't, I was shocked. And she didn't. We prayed for her and she didn't. And here's her husband saying, I only have enough money for food for my kids or medicine for my wife. And I'm feeding my kids. Your heart breaks. And two days later, she went to be with the Lord. Well, I'm not sure she was saved, but man, heartbreaking. And here's what Paul's saying. God had mercy. We need to understand it's God's mercy that anybody is healed. And I always look at it when I pray for people, and especially people in the church, and they go be with the Lord, I always look at it this way, some of you will never ask me to pray for you again after this, because I always look at it this way, they got the ultimate healing. They went to be with Jesus. But here's what he's saying, man. God had mercy. God healed him. Listen, God had mercy on him. And I love this. And Paul says, and not only on him, but me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Hey, Paul's got a little bit of emotion, right? Paul's like freaking out a little bit. He goes, hey, I am. So, man, God had mercy on him, and he had mercy on me because I didn't have to, you know, maybe he's thinking I didn't have to bury, I was going to say Theopolis, but Epaphroditus, uh, Epi. We'll call him Epi for short or EP. Let's just call him EP. And, and so listen, I didn't have to bury him. And he says, listen, God healed him. And then God saved me from having that sorrow upon sorrow. Now, listen, it gets better and better. Verse 28, therefore, I sent him more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. That's a guy who's not thinking about himself, right? Right hey, I'm gonna send him to you, why? So you guys can rejoice, so you guys can understand and know, here he is, he's okay, and I don't have to be as sorrowful. That's kind of weird, right? I'm thinking, dude, you're in prison. You can be sorry in prison. You can feel bad in prison. And he's going, I don't wanna do that. So you're gonna send him, and then, Listen to what he says. Verse 29, receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness. He says, I'm gonna send him back to you and I want you to be glad when he comes. I don't want you to be judging him. Don't be getting on Epaphroditus and say, oh, you little baby, you had to come home and you couldn't stay there. No, I'm sending him to you. He didn't ask to come to you. I'm sending him to you. And so you receive him with gladness. You embrace him. Yes, he's back. You know, something that bothers me is uh, we've had some people who go out on, on, on a mission and expecting to stay out, and they just don't make it. I've had phone calls where I talk to people, and they go, I just can't do this. And I go, okay, fine. And they go, you're not mad? I go, why would I be mad at you? You gave it a shot. How many of us don't even give it a shot? I said, hey, you gave it a shot, it's okay. It's okay, that's not what you were cut out for. I've shared with you guys a couple times during through these series. Hey, I did a lot of things before I started pastoring. I was trying to find out where I fit and I failed at a lot of things. I I started failing in sixth grade. It just gets easier as you go. So once you get, you know, once you get—I remember—I remember, This has nothing to do with the study. I remember one time in school, I was—I was, I was kind of had a crush on this girl, and she was devastated because she got an F. I said, "Oh, it gets easier. Don't worry, you'll be fine. After the first one, it's—it's it's simple." But in life, in life, failure is okay because it's really not failure. It's learning and growing. And ultimately success. So don't be afraid, man. Don't that's our biggest thing, we're afraid. So, so here's what Paul says, man. He says, listen, he says, rejoice with him. Epaphroditus did not, Epi didn't fail, EP didn't fail. Receive him in the Lord with gladness. Listen, and hold such men in esteem. Do you hear what Paul's saying? Look at him. And when you receive him and he comes back you hold him in honor because men like him deserve honor but nobody knows him we don't even know his name's even hard to pronounce it's just a weird name and paul says you honor him just like you would honor anybody just because he's not a front line guy doesn't mean that he wasn't important in the ministry that was going on, just because he wasn't you know, that person. I always think of David. Do you remember when David went to war and 300 guys stayed back, and when they won the war, they brought the goodies back? He calls it booty. And remember, he brought it back, and what did he say? They get as much as us because they served as hard as we did. They served from here, we served over there. Don't ever forget that. Hey, there are people behind the scenes that without them, this ministry would not take place. And we don't know their names, Epaphroditus. And he's serving and he's doing this, so listen. He says, hold him in high regard. Lift him up and hold him in high regard because, verse 30, why? Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death. Listen carefully. Because of Jesus Epaphroditus went all the way and he was serving the Lord and he went there with Paul. He almost died because he wanted to serve the Lord. Are you kind of getting the point? And Paul says, people like that, it doesn't matter if their name are in lights or if their name's up front or if the, it doesn't matter. You hold them in high regard. And then here's what I love. Listen, and here's why the New King James kind of, kind of, uh, kind of messes it up some, I think. He says, he came close to death not regarding his life. Some of your translations say he was a risk taker. He was a huge risk taker. Shouldn't we be? It's interesting, the word there from the Greek can be he was a gambler. Now, we always think of gambling or gambler in a wrong way, right? But how about in a positive way? He was a gambler. Epaphroditus, this guy who nobody heard about, he didn't care about his own life. He wasn't concerned about what's convenient for him. He was concerned about the ministry that the church in Philippi gave him to do. And that ministry was to take a bag of money to Rome, no matter what it cost. And it almost cost him his life, and he knew that. And he was a gambler. He didn't, look at the, he didn't look at it and say, you know, like some of us, Lord, I'll serve you. Just give me the video first because I want to make sure I approve. He says, Lord, I'll go. I'll go. And here's, here's kind of a fascinating thing. After, after I, I got into that, I read some studies. And just the, the second and third century church had ministries and men and women that served in a certain way they named them after this Greek name. We're just going to use the English name. They named them gamblers. And the gamblers were the people who, they held somebody's hand when they were dying. The gamblers were the people who went into tough places where nobody else would go. The gamblers were the people who, hey, if there was a plague going on, they're going to go in that city and they're going to bury the people who nobody else will touch because they're the gamblers. You kind of getting what I'm saying? Woo! All of that, Epaphroditus, came from this guy, this guy. And we go, I don't even know him. Yeah, well, I wanna be like him when I grow up. I wanna be like this guy and he, 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 listen man, he was not regarding his life, he was a risk taker. And then, listen, he wasn't regarding his life, he was willing to take a risk to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Oh. What was lacking in their service toward Paul? I think there was a financial thing going on. I don't know if he wrote him and said, send me some bucks. But you know what the big lack was? Somebody to love on him. They couldn't be there to love on him, could they? But Epaphroditus could. Well, Epaphroditus said, I'll go. I'll go, I'll take the money. I'll give that guy a big old hug, man. He might be ugly as people say. He might have that crooked nose, bull-legged, scrawny guy, ugly guy. I'll hug him. I'm not afraid to hug him. Can you get three more different characters? Think about it. Paul, the bold, the out front, the guy, you know, the big personality, Timothy, the timid, the behind you know, not so much behind the scenes, but the timid guy needs some pushing, needs some going. And then you got Epaphroditus who just doesn't even care if people know his name. He doesn't even care if people ever heard about him. All he wants to do is serve Jesus. All three of them gave their lives to Christ, not just in words, not just saying, Jesus, I give you my life. They gave their lives to Christ. And they were sold out. That's what the church is supposed to be. That's what the church is supposed to look like. So Paul, listen, in this, you can look at this and you could read it real fast and go, oh, Paul's gonna send Timothy and, and Epaphroditus to, you know, to Philippi and I hope it goes well. Or you can say, wow, look at those three different men and how God uses us No matter what our personality is, no matter what's going on, he's going to use us in that way. We don't have to try and be somebody else. The problem with a lot of us is when we decide to serve the Lord, we try to mimic somebody else. And and you know what? You can't be them. you got to be you. And you got to come to the place where you understand, I'm me, I'm going to be the best me I can. And the only way I can be the best me I can is to give myself completely and fully unto Jesus Christ and let him have my life, direct me and guide me. I have never regretted. Listen, I gave my heart to Jesus when I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus when I started serving and gave up everything, and I've never regretted. I've never looked back and go, that was like the worst decision I ever made. I look back and go, man, it just gets better and better and better. And you know what? As I get older, it gets gooder. It just is like I can't believe what God allows us to do We should all experience that same thing. So my prayer tonight is as we leave, as we go home, as we're maybe even like jumping into bed that you would think about where you are at in this place that we're talking about serving him and walking with him. That's between you and the Lord. And you guys have a conversation. And don't talk to me, because here's what I'll tell you. Number one, first and foremost, empty your checkbook into our account. (laughs) Number two, just go wherever he tells you to go. So you might want to ask somebody else. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that we have examples here. Lord, I, I just, I'm still excited about looking at different people, different personalities different character and yet God when we boil it all down to they're identical they're three men who are completely committed to serving you if we go back to the beginning of the chapter they have that mind in them that was in Christ Jesus and then they humbled themselves and they brought themselves where Their life didn't matter. The only thing that mattered was bringing you honor and glory. And I pray, I pray, God, that we could come to that place in our lives, that we would be men and women willing to lay our lives down and allow you, God, to shine through us. And I'm going to ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more minutes. And if you are here tonight and and you've never given your heart to Jesus, this might have been a little bit weird for you. might have been a little bit difficult for you to hear. And that's because, listen, you're not born again. Paul tells us in Corinthians that only the Spirit can understand spiritual things. And the Spirit would give us that discernment. So, hey, if you're in that place where you're kind of not getting it and you're not understanding it, then you need to be born again. You need to give your heart to Jesus tonight. I just wanna challenge you in that, that tonight, take that stand. Come to him and let him know that you know you're a sinner. That's the very first step. First thing you have to do is let him know that you're a sinner. And in that, there's gotta be some, there's gotta be some heartbreak. There's gotta be some, some sadness in you about your sin, some sorrow. And then when you come to that point, here's the thing. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, separation from God. And you have to come to the place where you understand that. And more importantly, I think that you believe that. You're facing an eternity without God, and all you deserve is his wrath. That's bad news. The good news is Jesus Christ took your place. He took that wrath that you deserve took it upon him and he did it in a moment in an instant of time and he he took all of that eternity that you deserve and he paid it and now tonight he holds out for you this receipt that says paid in full. So if you want to quote cash in on that if you want to come to the place where you're forgiven and you can have that relationship with a holy and righteous God then my Bible says call on his name and here's what that means. Let God know that you want a relationship with him. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And you can say this prayer with me out loud. You can say it silently. If you're backslidden, man, you come home. Come back to Jesus. I, I, you know, if I could, I would grab you and drag you. But come back to Jesus. His arms are open wide. If you're watching online, wherever you're at, wherever you're, you're, you're watching us from, say this prayer. You don't have to be in this building but you can say this prayer with us. Jesus, tonight I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And Jesus, tonight I'm asking you for forgiveness. Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And right now I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I want you to come into my life and guide me. I'm asking you tonight to be my Lord and my Savior.